0: Welcome to HR2Go by Effective Workplace Solutions. In this episode of HR2Go, we'll be chatting about common HR mistakes and how business owners can avoid them. I've got with me today Peter Norrie, one of our senior consultants, to talk through these common HR mistakes with us today. So thanks for joining us, Pete. Oh, thanks
1: for having me, Karen.
0: My pleasure. With the fast-paced nature of changes to employment law and HR, business owners are often faced with challenges and are at risk of making errors that can lead to compliance issues and costly consequences. In today's podcast, we'll discuss some of these common HR mistakes and provide a few tips on how to avoid them. The first area I thought we'd talk about, Pete, was employment contracts. Can you talk me through some of the mistakes that are made in this area?
1: Some of the issues... I like still having pay secrecy clauses in your employment agreements. That can be illegal depending upon when the agreements were made, but they're certainly unenforceable now. Also, utilising templates uh, without an understanding of what the document is you're using and therefore having incorrect clauses is a very common thing that can possibly invalidate the contract of employment.
0: And so, Pete, what would be your tip for business owners in relation to employment contracts then?
1: Uh, don't use old templates uh, or templates that you've got from your mate. Also, before you go to someone to help with your contracts, think about what you want to achieve and write down those things in simple English. There's, It happens quite often that, that people come to us asking for new contracts and they don't actually know what they want to achieve in it.
0: That's such practical advice, Pete. Thanks for that. The next area I wanted to talk about was terminations. Now, obviously, this area is as expansive as the contracts topic, and we can't cover it all today, but I'm sure there are a few areas of this topic that spring to mind um, in terms of the common mistakes that employers might make.
1: Oh, yeah. Look, often we see employers not following the consultation requirements of industrial instruments. For those situations where there's significant change, such as redundancies, or they take liberties with the process, like actually making decisions before consulting or even drafting up the letters before consulting. Other things that we see are not having any documentation support the, the termination. And while there's no law requiring an employer to document an employee's performance or other problems, doing so is certainly best practice. So we suggest you do it. And if someone's going to get to be sacked, a commission or a court um, is going to expect to see historical and recent evidence of actions taken and attempted remedies. So make those notes. Some employers want to terminate employment because a person has used all of their leave, for example. In some of those cases, they haven't asked the employee, employee what's happening. I think that if employers remember the four fair reasons for dismissal and act on them, then they would be Um, well-placed. I guess you're asking, what are the four fair reasons? The first is an inability to fulfil the essential requirements of the role. Second is poor quality performance or lack of skill, care or diligence. The third is misconduct or inappropriate behaviour at work. And the fourth is redundancy, where the position is no longer required for the operation of the business. And of course, in each of those The employer has to be seen to be following a procedure or procedurally fair process. Ideally, this process is set in the employee's employment handbook and they followed the process.
0: There's a lot of information there, Pete. It is such a big um, space and and it is so complex. Thinking about um, terminations, what would your tip for a business owner be?
1: I'd say to get competent assistance and listen to your advisor. A lot of the time we find that the employer is terminate someone, but they don't have either the evidence or more likely they haven't followed a fair process.
0: Again, that is such helpful advice, Pete. I I completely agree with you. By the time we're often hearing about an issue, everyone's patience has run out and they're ready to pull the trigger, but they just don't have their ducks in a row. So fantastic advice. Right. Now, moving on to the next area where we see common mistakes or, in fact, at times, no action taken at all is workplace policies. Over to you, Pete.
1: Uh, So one of the things that we see is not having a proper definition of terms, like what is bullying or harassment, and relying on common sense in the absence of a policy. Unfortunately, one of the things we're missing often is common sense, so relying on it makes things difficult. A policy is a statement that underpins how human resource management issues will be dealt with inside the organisation. It communicates an organisation's values and the organisation's expectations of employee behaviours and performance. So, workplace policies often reinforce and clarify standard operating procedures in the workplace. Well-written policies help employers manage staff more effectively by clearly defining acceptable and unacceptable behaviour in the workplace and set out the implications of not complying with those policies. Not all workplace issues require a policy. Many routine matters can be dealt with through simple workplace procedures and processes being put in place.
0: So in terms of workplace policies, what would be your tip for a business owner?
1: Well, unless you've got your own team of sophisticated and knowledgeable HR practitioners who have the time to develop your very own policies and procedures, I suggest you invest in a complete suite which is kept up to date for you.
0: I think we can all empathise with business owners just not having enough hours in the day to be Managing all of these elements. So, I think if you knew you could purchase policies and put them in place, at least you'd feel that you um, have probably mitigated some risk and exposure in that area of the business. I thought we'd also touch on a few common HR myths today. Um, We often see these pop up when we're supporting our clients. So, Pete, myth number one, and hands down, this has to be the most common one that I hear, is that. An employer must give three warnings to an employee before terminating. Pete, did you want to clarify the reality in relation to warnings?
1: Thanks, Karen. So there is no legislative requirement specifying that an employee must be given a certain number of written warnings before being dismissed for poor performance. For example, there's no rule that an employee must receive three written warnings. However, industrial tribunals over the years have consistently upheld unfair dismissal claims where an employee has not had an opportunity to respond to performance concerns or to improve their performance over a reasonable period of time. So the fact is that there's certain offences that give employers the right to instantly terminate an employee where serious misconduct has occurred, such as assault, sexual harassment, theft or being intoxicated at work. When performance managing an employee, the number of official warnings given to an employee may vary as it depends on the circumstances, but an employer must ensure that the employee is given procedural fairness and the employer must document each performance meeting and discussion of the employee's file, as this can be used if an unfair dismissal claim is being made by the employee. So you might ask, how should a warning be given? so warnings must identify the relevant aspect of the employee's performance which is of concern to the employer a mere exhortation to improve is not sufficient and that's one of the things we often see is i told him that he had to improve well that's not simply not good enough a warning must make it clear that the employee's employment is at risk unless performance improves
0: Excellent. So I suppose the takeaways there are that um, the number of warnings is probably not as important. Rather, it is looking at the circumstances um, and assessing um, the serious nature of the situation or the seriousness of the situation and then making an assessment from there and document, 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 which is probably um, what anyone who contacts us here is saying over and over again. Right. The next myth is... It is safer for an employer to stop giving a casual ongoing shifts rather than go through the process of terminating them.
1: Well, it's certainly a common school of thought, but not necessarily the safest approach. Casual employees generally do not have an entitlement for fixed ongoing shifts. But casual employees that have been given regular and systematic shifts over time can raise an unfair dismissal claim if their shifts suddenly stop for no given reason it could be argued that they were constructively dismissed by the employer if we do that another scenario is perhaps a casual employee has to filed a complaint against the employer and their shift suddenly stop this could potentially raise what's known as a general protections claim
0: okay excellent Our next myth is that casuals are now entitled to all types of leave if they work regular and systematic shifts.
1: Uh, False. Um, Casual employees do not accrue annual leave or sick leave as their rate of pay includes a loading that's built into uh, their higher rate, if you like, to cover for leave such as annual or sick leave. However, casual employees are entitled to unpaid compassionate leave, unpaid community service leave. Uh, A little bit unusually, they're entitled to paid family and domestic violence leave and unpaid parental leave, although noting that unpaid parental leave is dependent upon the fact that they have to be regular and systematic employees.
0: But look, I certainly think that um, casual employee space is certainly quite complex at the moment, and it's a, a definitely a moving feast. So I think um, for business owners, seeking a little bit of advice before you moving, do too much movement in that space is probably quite important. On to our last myth for today... Employers do not have to provide payslips for employees. This is an interesting one because I thought that most people would be across this by now, but perhaps not.
1: It's strange to think in this day and age that this one is still making the rounds. Payslips are compulsory and must be provided to every employee within one day of payment.
0: Yeah, it is interesting that that one still raises its, um, its head every now and then. Thank you so much for your time today, Pete. I really appreciated you clarifying those and and having a few curly ones thrown at you. Avoiding costly HR mistakes is crucial for the success of any business. So if you have had an aha moment today while listening to Pete and I have a chat, we certainly would recommend prioritising the rectification of any of those issues. And By taking control and managing the rectification now, you actually get to manage how you do that and you're not forced into addressing it as a result of a directive by an enforcement authority. Thank you for listening to another episode of HR2Go. If your business is based in Australia and you would like HR or employment law advice, visit our website, ewsolutions.com.au.